What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, and I'm joined by my good, good friend, JW Crewall. JW, how are you doing today? Riley, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for asking. And by awesome, I mean my basement flooded. <laughs> yeah, I saw yesterday. you tweet that yesterday. What happened there? Uh, I mean, it just, there was an abnormal amount of rain. This place uh. doesn't really flood. Uh, and like this area that we're in we're a little bit higher um sure. and it just doesn't normally flood like our landlord said this was the first time that it's ever flooded <laughs> oh, and no. so we just i just had some things on the ground i didn't lose too much we mostly lost things like paper towel um sure you know uh, miscellaneous food items that we had kept from our last you know uh <laughs> shopping trip that we had just put on the ground i did lose a couple of cards oh no and i can't wait to show you what they are in a YouTube video that I have, hopefully coming out on Friday. I think it'll be, I'll make good use of the ruined cards. I think they're very funny, okay. but uh, you know, I mean, all in all, maybe, you know, two or $300 worth of damage. So sizable, but not, you know, we're not going bankrupt or anything by any means. So sure. it was, it was fine. You know, we have most of our stuff in these big plastic tubs and it was only about two or so inches of water but this actually isn't the first time that my basement has flooded so it didn't happen in this house but it happened sure, in a yeah. house that i used to live in uh it's just not a fun experience you got to like air out all your we had a few books and stuff that we're trying to air out and salvage and you know it's just more an annoyance than anything else but we're back up and running things seem to be a little bit uh on the you know pretty dry side i guess that's good and so we'll see if there's any kind of mold development um or anything that i need yeah. to be wary of there but for now seems okay oh i guess that's all you can ask for right that's right coming out on the better side of it it looks like at least your your tech wasn't ruined so that's good i i was so thankful i there might be a cord with my second monitor that just i it's waterlogged right now so i'm hoping if i give it you know, a few days to dry out, but it's like the, the cord is good because I can just replace it. This TV yeah. has like the cord can come out or I guess second monitor has, it can come out. So I'm not too worried there. If I do have to replace it, I mean, it's probably like 20 bucks as opposed to buying a whole new monitor, which right now is, you know, they're, they're really get price gouging right now for monitors because everybody's working from home. So. <laughs> so, first off, you think a cord is $20. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of place are you getting your cords from dude what, well how much do you think a cord would be worth you can get like an amazon basic cord for six dollars oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were saying i was underpaying no <laughs> no that's no, so I'm much money like for a cord. At the most, and i'm probably not gonna buy a if i'm gonna get a cord for this monitor like i'm probably not just gonna get the the non-name brand right that doesn't seem smart. I, it's a cord, man. No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> it moves electricity from one place to another. It can't be. Well, Riley, you're the smartest crazy. guy I know. So if you say it's okay, then it'll be okay. <laughs> sure. So, well, aside from your, you know, living space catastrophe, I think there's plenty that we need to talk about this week. Um, That's right. Hopefully none of your ruined cards were Dedenne's. Although before we get into any discussion, uh, they did show that really cool Dedenne like packed trainer kit box thing 
So just want to give a shout out to Pokemon for like keeping an eye on the competitive scene. I think especially in like a post quarantine world, uh, we'll need ways to like re inject players into the game, right? So the game will have to be re livened. And so having yeah. like cool products that can make it easy and accessible for players to yeah. get into the game is a really good idea. Yeah, no, I mean, I will definitely be taking advantage of those Dedenne <laughs> boxes. Yeah, I lost, let's see. I lost potentially four to six. Oh no. <laughs> so, I mean, I, as, as most of the podcast listeners know, I had made a heavy investment into the Dedenne. So losing them again during, especially during this time where we don't actually have live events and we might not have a live event for another year. It's really not a huge loss in my eyes um, because the resale value just really wasn't there. And I bought them for so cheap and I bought so many of them <laughs> that I had already sent away. You know, I, I'm already rolling in my profits. So <laughs> it's a, it hurts. But yeah, you'll you'll see what I mean. I lost a few. I lost a few cards and I'll show those off on Friday. Very cool. Yeah. So just want to give a quick shout out to that product. If you're not aware, be sure to check that out. Um, I think it's like. 30 bucks retail or something and you get two Dedenne's in it so not too bad yeah Pokemon seems to be going all in on investing on those kind of products which is awesome um, but in the more event focused mindset uh, first we'll take a look at the past and then we'll kind of jump ahead to the future so this past weekend was Limitless Qualifier number three uh, the first one featuring the Rebel Clash format and we talked about it a decent amount with Azul this last week as far as what good choices might be and what the meta might look like. And it ended up panning out in a kind of interesting way. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected this. Uh, some people certainly did, but Picaram was really the star of the show this weekend, taking four of the top eight spots. And not only that, but took first and second in the final standings. Yeah. So Picaram with a fantastic showing this weekend. And Blacephalon really not that far behind, uh, having tons yeah. of top 32, top 8 finishes. Um, and, you know, even beyond that, like some older players like <laughs> Puka out there playing Baby Blacephalon to great success. So that's yeah, really it was cool. Yeah, really awesome to see. Yeah, and it's interesting how uh, the Limitless Qualifier as a non-Pokemon sanctioned event can, you know, allow players like Puka to re-inject themselves back into the game right like they don't have to worry about those restrictions for their that's employment right. they can just play the game like they love that's um, right that's right and i mean i'm sure he does enough playing you know just with his play testing or whatever through the company or just even outside of work just you know it's a game that's very fun so it's cool to see that he can go back and be competitive and um that's that's a that's a big win for the pokemon community overall yeah i think so too uh, and it shows really this game you know is enjoyable throughout its history there's and people who are greats in the past continue to see success in modern day i think ross cawthon is a really good example of that as well who has saw a lot of success in these limitless qualifiers yeah even with his absolutely typical absolutely. like off meta choices i've i mean i've heard in the past that just you know people say since i've been playing like oh the players are better now and I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think that there have always been really great players. I guess you could make an argument that the average player is better now, but even then, I don't know that I would necessarily say that's the case. I think that the technology surrounding the players is absolutely better. But to say that the gameplay of each player is better now than it was back then, uh, you know, when um, 
you know, since, I don't know, Kyle Sukovich and, and Ross Cawthon like started. No, I don't necessarily think so. And it just goes to show they keep seeing success, or I guess in Kyle's case, he comes back and he sees some pretty big success. And that just, to me, demonstrates that they always had what it took to succeed. Yeah, I think so too. And it, it's cool to see that put into practice, practice though, right? Because it, it feels like those arguments always live so much in theory, you know, yeah. it's like talking yeah. about, you know, other sports <laughs> greats, you know, it's, it's so hard to compare eras of, of sports, yeah. but you know, in a game like Pokemon, you actually could potentially like come back and play again. And um, really that success has been awesome to see. Uh, so before we get into the overall results and taking a look at Picaram and some of the other top eight decks, I'd like to just briefly go over, JW, what your experience was like uh, piloting that Dragapult VMAX deck. So Yeah, well, it was a brief experience. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I ended up going, uh, lasting for only six rounds. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to play it out as long as I could, but just ended up, you know, facing matchups I was overall confident with, but that just didn't go my way. And all credit goes to my opponents who pretty much in every single loss uh, played as well as they could have. I don't think that they made it really any misplays on, on their end. And so we beat an Obstagoon in the first round. That was a good matchup heading into the end of the day. I think with Dragapult, you just have so much snipe ability. You can take down Zigzagoons on the bench before they evolve. You can, you know, take the two prizes. You can, you, I played a Fion, so you're able to push around the Obstagoon. And obviously the Obstruct doesn't really do anything to you uh, because you are an evolution Pokemon. So that matchup is generally pretty easy. The only thing you really have to watch out for is the Sableye V. And then to a lesser extent, the Eveltal mm-hmm. GX. But if you can manage to make it around those, then you're in a really good spot. And so I ended up beating the Obstagoon player in round one. And then I faced an ADP Tomb that heading in, I felt like Dragapult had a good matchup against. And I still stand by that. I don't know that I think that it has as good of a matchup as I did before the tournament, but I do think that it's still very reasonable to win that matchup. I just think in the two times that I played the ADP tomb in the tournament, going second was such a huge barrier to winning. And I almost did it just, it didn't quite happen. Um, it didn't quite happen for me. I wasn't able to control their board was the biggest issue. So going second really hurt because they were both able to get the turn one attachment to ADP, follow that up with the alter creation. And then if they can get the alter creation before you attack, that's where it becomes really hard uh, because they can just start to pretty much power up whatever they want at will. Yeah. Uh, the snipe damage almost doesn't really matter because like you want to try to get the knockout in on the ADP uh, the turn after they GX. And if you can do that, then you set yourself up pretty well because you can usually like take something down on the bench, a Jirachi or a Spear Tomb. And then from there, you just have to find a way to take the last two prizes, which is pretty easy against a, a deck like that. Um, unfortunately, again, went second in round two and round three against ADP Tomb. I think that was the kind of, I don't know, the the biggest misplay I, get, <laughs> I had against those two decks where it was just, <laughs> I missed that one turn. Uh, I was just back by a turn. And I think if I go first, then it's a way different story. But, you know, it is what it is. Trying to Marnie them out of things. And it always seemed like my opponents were just drawing what they need. You know, it was like every little thing. And 
at credit to them and credit to their decks. Round yeah. four, I played against a Boltund deck. It was a Boltund focused. It was like a Picaram deck. I think he had maybe one Picaram, but more focused on energy spinner on the second turn. So he actually opted to go second, even though he won the flip. And then he would energy spinner like two or three times, get that all into the discard with the Dedenne or research, and then use the Zero Aura GX attack as opposed to doing something with the Shuckle and getting in the energy into the discard that way. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a very unique take, uh, at least different from what I had been envisioning the Bolton deck to be. And it was it was just a tough matchup. It's really hard when they can one-shot your VMAXs to really stay in the game. So uh, he was able to take that one. And then round five, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I always get in this kind of mode where it's like, okay, you lose a few and then to just kind of regroup, I have this saying uh, that Kevin Baxter came up with. It's just called riding the wave. <laughs> and you know about riding the wave, Riley, where yeah. it's like, you know, you go down early and you're hoping to play, you know, kind of all the, all the tier three decks, maybe mm-hmm. all the players that aren't as high caliber. And you just kind of ride those all the way to the day two or top cut or whatever. Right. And so, <laughs> Round five, I was in that mindset, getting ready to play. And, you know, he flips over a Mewtwo. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can handle a Mewtwo. And then he tag calls for the Mega Sableye Tyranitar. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. He was able to get the, I, don't, I can't remember if he went first or second. I have a feeling he went second. But, like, on his second turn, he just got, you know, the Sableye Tyranitar in the discard, and then he got the Sogaleo, or excuse me, on the field. He got the Sogaleo in the discard. He got the Sableye Tyranitar on the bench, and then was just able to load it up with the Soul Burst GX attack. And then I was just, at that point, you know, you just kind of know, you just accept it. I played it out, but uh, <laughs> it was pretty tough. Yeah, and then in round, six, that, huh? in round six, I probably had the be- the most favorable matchup I could have had. In the tournament, I faced a Greens Blacephalon, and it just, again, just didn't really go my way. I can't really remember too many details, but I remember taking a knockout and then Marning, my opponent, and then he just had, I don't know, he had whatever it was to get up to the seven energy to one-shot my VMAX, and then it was just it was just over from there. So it was a really tough day, I got to say. I felt very confident in the deck, and immediately after the tournament, I kind of thought, oh, okay, this deck you know, sucks. It doesn't really have what it takes to compete at the high level. But then you look at where Dragapult finished overall, and it seemed like a great choice for the event. Maybe, you know, going back, I don't know if I would necessarily play it again, but I think the results of, you know, two top eights, a top four, the third most represented deck, I think that shows that the deck has, you know, what it takes to have the staying power to be a legitimate threat in this format. Yeah, I that was going to be kind of my next question is like, what are your feelings coming out of this tournament about Dragapult? It seemed going yeah. in that you were pretty confident about Dragapult being kind of the deck to play at the moment. It had pretty good matchups across the board. Um, and I will point like, yeah, it did have a top four and a top eight finish. That's awesome. Uh, if you look more throughout the, you know, top however many people in 149, I feel like the Dragapults are a little more sparse. Uh, compared to sure. a deck like Picaram, which seemed to really be in droves. Uh, yeah. Do you think Dragapult has the staying power as like a tier one deck, or was it a deck that was represented and maybe lives in that tier two and three realm and 
you know. Yeah, I mean, I think well. I think tier two would be pretty apt to put. I feel like Pikaram is there, has asserted itself, whether or not we agree or not, but it really just asserted itself as that tier one threat. And then Blacephalon, I think, is right up there as the deck that can kind of go toe-to-toe with the big knockouts of Pikaram. And then I think if you want to play Dragapult, you're going to have to do something, maybe many things, to counter just the power of Pikaram. I don't quite know what those are, but a few just ideas are like, you know, you probably have to include a Mew. You probably have to include, you know, something that slows down the Picaron player. I'm I'm even thinking like Power Plant would be a good option for the Dragapult, which we did see in one of the top eight lists had like a single Power Plant. But I feel like the Power Plant, you know, needs more testing, obviously, but could neuter the Picaron deck enough to help you kind of get ahead in the game. Um yeah. Just the way that you build your deck is going to have to be focused around how to beat Pikaram. I don't think there's a really like catch-all answer. I think you're going to have to make multiple decisions to try to counter the many different things that Pikaram can do. I think it is possible, but it's it's tough, and you have to really yeah construct your deck in a way to handle that matchup. Which it doesn't, you know, you can construct your deck in a certain way to try to handle Pikaram, but it's no, by no means an auto win. Uh, nowhere close, really. I would still even say. You know, Mew, heavy power plant counts, um, and it's probably still unfavorable. And so it's just a tough matchup. You're going to have to understand that and, um, you know, hope that the metagame at large kind of cycles on itself to beat Pikaram. Yeah, high praise for Pikaram. So looking at your results and looking at how the tournament overall panned out, it doesn't sound like Dragapult would really be the deck that you'd take if you could play it over again. You know, wiping your matchups clean and saying you got to play a whole new version of this tournament. Sure. What would you take with the knowledge that you have now? Would it be Picaram? I mean, it'd probably be Picaram. Like, that's a deck that I did play in the past. Like, I've won, you know, cups with it. And so it's not a deck that I have, like, a personal bias against. I just feel like it's... I, I don't quite know how the Picaram players beat consistently ADP players. I feel like that matchup is still favored for ADP. Again, I don't know the matchup in and out with the new cards. So, you know, it, maybe it's different. Maybe it's that much different that now Pikaram is just fast enough that it can overcome the, you know, speed and power uh, of the ADPization deck. But... yeah. You know, that that's I just don't know. I would say that if I were to play it over again, Picaram would be a choice. ADPization was my second choice to Dragapult, and I would feel very comfortable playing ADPization. Yeah, ADPization I feel like was kind of an underperformer, and I don't know if that was lack of representation from top level players or you know, lack of foothold in this format. Do you think ADPization is like a top tier contender still moving forward? I don't see why it wouldn't be. It didn't really lose that much. It didn't gain too much. So it just you just have to look at the threats surrounding it. And yeah. Baby Bull Cephalon was never a matchup that I felt unfavored against. And I think a lot of people would disagree with that because you do have... I think if they have the know, Beast Springer, it's pretty bad. You do have Beast Springer. If they get the Beast Springer, then yeah, it's pretty tough to deal with. I've just often found that Marnie is a really huge... Um, swing in the matchup and i think yes if you have a 
Blacephalon against an ADP Zation that plays maybe two Marnie and can't hit them on the turns that they need to, then sure, you're going to struggle. It could have been that with the scoop up nets, it's that much more consistent. I do find the consistency bump of baby Blacephalon to be, you know, noticeably higher. So it could just be that with the scoop up nets that you're, you know, able to recycle the Jirachis and do multiple uh, every turn that it just takes it over the edge against ADP Zation. And so if that's the case, baby Blacephalon might just edge out ADP from the meta entirely. And then it becomes kind of this weird Picaram Blacephalon. And then, you know, I don't really even know where to go from there. And friends. <laughs> yeah. And friends. Right. Yeah. So I think, We've talked about it a lot. We just have to dive into Picaram now at this point. So uh, Picaram, I feel like we didn't give it really the attention it deserved last week. I think we probably just weren't really on board with how good the deck potentially was. Um, in hindsight, I think there's plenty of things that we can point out that maybe are, I don't want to say obvious, but that we can say like, yeah, this is a clear strong point of the deck. Uh, right. I think the first and most you know, visibly noticeable one is going to be the speed lightning energy. Uh, the grease energy is kind of, <laughs> I always think of the, the grease song when I hear yeah. speed lightning, but, uh, yeah. you know, a, a drawing two cards off an attachment for free is, is nuts. And I think I want to say Asul said this on, on the cast he he is did. that it would be a crazy card, even if it wasn't like ever played, you know, right. it would still be a card that was worthy of remembering as a powerful card. Right. And I think that holds true, especially the fact that it's a colored energy. You know, if it was a colorless energy, maybe. But, sure. you know, this is an actual colored energy. Um, sure, you know, it's not energy you can accelerate with full blitz. Um, but, you know, the effect of it is pretty noticeable. And Picaram is a deck that, you know, in my experience, relies on drawing a lot of cards and having long combos in, in its turns. Sure. And, you know, what better way to facilitate that than drawing extra cards by attaching your energy, which you're already going to do anyway. Sure. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting how off so many American content creators were about Picaram. I just can't really think of anyone that I know that said that, you know, from, from the States that said that Picaram was the play for the tournament. It's just, it just goes to show like, you know, for every Rowlet Eggs, Vileplume deck that somebody comes up with, there's, you know, we think that Picaram is bad. You know, it just... <laughs> that happens. You swing and miss sometimes, you know, even Barry Bonds strikes out, you know, it's just, it's going to happen when you make opinions. And so uh, just be better next time. It it really was a strong deck and a strong choice. I've played a lot of peak around since, and I'm starting to see why it was played. It's basically like, you know, the speed lightning is just an, a really nice little card to kind of smooth out those weird hands that Picaram can sometimes get where it's like, do I want to get rid of this hand with like a Dedenne or do I want to save it because I have E powers in hand? And there are a lot of times where like speed lightning can draw you that one or two cards that you need to maybe solve the puzzle of your hand where, you know, you just needed that one extra E power and then it, it allows you to not have to play the Dedenne. Right, the E power, the quick ball. The, the quick ball. Yeah, the, exactly. You know, exactly. And so it, I'm kind of seeing that now where it's like solving these little issues of, you know, you were just so reliant on Dedenne. A lot of times with Picaram, you were having to, you know, overbench. You were just benching yourself out because you needed, you know, a Dedenne turn one, Dedenne turn two, and like Dedenne turn three potentially <laughs> to like get all the things you needed. But at this point, you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself a full blitz 
Um, you know, at the very least turn two, I did like the list that had the Guzma Hollow, which is what I would really recommend. That was the list that I was playing, you know, just before um, the season shut down, I think, right? And so I really enjoy being able to tag call and get the Guzma Hala, which is almost a guaranteed, um, you know, almost a guaranteed full blitz if you have the stadium in deck. So right. it's cool. I, I like Pikaram a lot. I think it really is helped by the speed lightning and I didn't give that card enough credit. Yeah. And I think uh, bouncing off Guzma and Hala, the speed lightning really, really amps up the power of Guzma and Hala because in yeah. my opinion, it felt kind of, I don't want to say like awful, but it felt a little crappy to use Guzman Hollow before to attach like a unit energy or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, just like yeah. so now you're you're discarding like so many cards, you know, because your Guzman Hollow is also your supporter, and you discard two other cards, and you get a Thunder Mountain and an energy, and maybe yeah. you know a tool or something, some miscellaneous yeah. tool like a skateboard or a big charm, and. Uh, that's fine, but when you get a speed lightning energy and you immediately recover the card economy that you spent on Guzma Hala, that to me is like an obvious like strong synergy that would work sure. well in any card game, right? Like where you sure. where you're able to you know refresh, refresh and get that economy yeah. going. That's something that like fundamentally is good in a card game. So. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and taking yeah. that a step further, I think the other big thing, and I'm I'm sure you agree with this as well, that pushed Pikaram over is the Bolton V. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Tapu Koko fantasy was there, and it, Tapu Koko was good. Um, yeah. But I think Bolton is just better. It does everything that Tapu Koko kind of want to do, do, but better. Uh, yeah. The first attack, Tapu Koko's first attack is cool, but I think Bolton's actually, like, facilitates the goal of the deck to get energy onto the board. Whereas right. Tapu Koko, you know, drew, ener- drew you cards, it's fine. Um, it did a little damage to poke down Jirachis and stuff. Right. E-powers, which is also fine. But Electrify, right. like, actively accelerates your board state. Right. It can take you from just not really doing much of anything to being very threatening. Like, and you didn't even have to play a supporter. You didn't have to play a Dedenne or anything like that. You go from one turn not really having too much to the next turn, you know, threatening the heavy numbers of Tag Bolts or Full Blitz. Right. And that's that's just referring to Electrify, whereas the actual reason right. Bolt is good is the second attack. Right. So... I think there's a couple reasons that maybe this didn't get the attention it deserved. I think the first part of it is I don't think people were giving enough attention to the fact it was only two energy on a two prizer. So, you know, Tapu Koko did have that three energy investment for the 200 damage. And 200 damage was good uh, and not as good now, I don't think, (laughs) admittedly, with all the VMAXs. But it was good for the time. But it was a three energy investment, which was already one thing. Um, So, you know... And it was, you know, it was 200 damage and you couldn't attack again. Bolton has a, an array of good things going for it, right? It has two energy attack. It's flexible in its use. You can use it on Jirachis and stuff. Um, and, but even beyond that, like, you can keep attacking with it over and over again. It's a right. two-prize attacker. It's basically your only two-prize attacker that can attack repeatedly in the Pikaram deck's history. <laughs> right. You know, right. like, even Zapdos, the one-prize attacker, you had to constantly switch it out. Zerora, you had yeah. to move around. Tapu Koko, you have to move around. This thing, you just stand up there and hit you for 300, three turns in a row if it wants to. <laughs> yep. So, I think Voltan was just a, a crazy good guard, and I definitely did not think it would be as good as it yeah i just yeah and you you go there and you say like why didn't we think that it would be a good deck and i think this is where kind of like yeah the experience maybe um hurt you know this yeah. is where kind of our testing in the past 
hurt our current perceptions. Um, I wouldn't say that that's often the case, but I would say that in this, in this instance, it definitely was where Picaram was just kind of not held in high regard and it should have been. And then it's like hindsight is 2020 because now our eyes have been opened and we say, Oh yes. Well, of course we should have had, you know, the speed lightning of course, you know, helps the deck in a measurable amount. And the Bolton is just an insane card. And then you pair them together with, you know, Picaram's GX attack. And that just makes everything amazing. And so we should have seen that. And we just didn't because Picaram wasn't really the deck of last format it arguably yeah fit in that like tier two area i think last format just couldn't yeah. really get over the hump of adp we kind of figured okay adp is going to stay around so that's where does that leave bigram and yeah experience hurt us on this call i think so yeah and you know even looking deeper into it um it's it's so hard to say like you know it's hard to quantifiably say like Pikaram struggled before with ADP Zacian. Why wouldn't it continue to struggle in this meta if the meta can keep up with ADP Zacian more than it could previously? Yeah, you know that's a tough hurdle to overcome if you're already kind of have a bias against Pikaram, especially like myself. Um, right, I'm not a huge. I have not historically been a huge Pikaram fan, um, but I think really the bolt hunt is i think what pushed it over you know you can so aggressively do so much damage consistently turn after turn um and you have the speed lightning as well to get those combos off quicker and i think actually in the past pikaram did hang in the meta it just had to get like the turn one and two full blitz and it just wasn't good enough at doing that (laughs) right (laughs) and so but now it's actually pretty good at doing it you know even with and you have these juiced up engines like no more no more Volkner, man. Like, <laughs> what an awful feeling card to use, you know? <laughs> That's right. I mean, again, it just goes back to like the difference that a the difference that drawing two cards off an energy attacher can make because those two cards can be just the exact cards that you needed to, you know. Again, we come back to like quick ball. That's such a huge thing. Getting to dig an extra two cards to find that quick ball, and quick ball could be Tampa Coco. Quick ball could be Dedene. You know. Quick all could be, I don't know, I guess that Picaram or whatever that you need. Whatever it is, it's just like those extra two cards really do make the Aurora, Eldegoss. We just, I don't know, I, I failed to see it. and Yeah, yeah um, we'll take the L for sure. We'll take the L. Take the L, chat. Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked a lot about Baby Lucephalon, honestly, and I feel like we, we kind of had a good sense that Baby Cephalon would be good going into this event. It's personally yeah. the deck that I probably would have played if I had played at Limitless Qualifier 3. Um, so it doesn't surprise me to see that it, it did well. Um, yeah. I think, and it doesn't surprise me, I guess, either that it was shown in such numbers. Uh, yeah. It's generally yeah. been a pretty popular deck and it seemed to yeah. have a good foothold in the meta. So I, I think we were pretty, I think we were that. pretty right about baby Blacephalon. I think it is just a fine, you know, it's a better than fine deck. It's a, it's a tier one deck right now. And, um, I think that it will change in how it's built as well. I do think like B Springer is so huge, so important that I think that we will see potentially an increased count. Maybe people will, I know that adventure bag is a pretty popular card right now, but I could just see people going, cutting the adventure bag and just playing two B Springer to basically ensure that you have the B Springer on the turn that you need it um, for the matchups that you need it, specifically ADP and Pikaram if they decide to go down the route of attacking with the Pikaram first. And so I think that will change. You know, you'll probably see Mew added into Blacephalon. And I think with changes like that, that just are specifically focused 
for Picaram. Um, you know, we could even see next week, we could be talking about how just, you know, Blacephalon is easily the best deck because it can handle Picaram and also knock out the VMAXs. Yeah. Yeah, Blacephalon definitely has a good foothold, and I don't really see it losing it. The only thing I think that really threatens Blacephalon is these mill decks that are kind of still out there off to the side. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like those decks don't have a great Picaram or Dragapult matchup, at least if the Dragapult yeah. playing Malamar. Right. Um, but where they struggle, or where they really shine, rather, is against stuff like Baby Lacephalon or Mewtwo, where they can just really lay on the pressure. Even against the ADP Zacians, they can really put on some pressure unless they play Energy Switch to prevent them from getting off that GX attack and closing out the game. So do you have any extra thoughts on the mill decks? I feel like they kind of have a very similar niche to the one they've already occupied. Yeah. You know, they're just yeah. still looming, waiting for to strike, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. I think they're always going to be there. They're always going to be a part of, uh, at least the cards for mill right now are just so insanely broken that it's always going to be a threat at some level. Yeah. We didn't really see too much of it, you know, I would say in this qualifier as opposed to qualifiers in the past. Um, and I don't know, do I expect that trend to continue? Maybe not. Again, as you were saying, if the meta continually, you know, trends favorably towards Baby Blacephalon, then perhaps it makes more sense that Mill would come, uh, you know, in, in fuller force. But that just remains to be seen. I can't really say that I feel one way or the other necessarily on that because again you do say it takes a bad dragapult matchup it is pretty bad i mean even with the hammers and stuff like that it's really bad it's hard to deny the dragapult player the two attachments at some point in the game and so if they get the two attachments i mean it can really snowball out of control from there so dragapult's bad matchup the thing is like the the meta game actually feels pretty um Feels pretty good for Dragapult if they can find a way to beat Picaram because I feel that Dragapult has that positive matchup against Blacephalon despite my results. But it has that positive matchup against Blacephalon because you're threatening to knock out their pivot and their main attacker that they just welded to. So it gets really funky uh, in the Blacephalon matchup with Dragapult. And so I feel like Dragapult is very well positioned, generally speaking, aside from the... Aside from Picaram. Yeah, the Picaram matchup's tough, though, for yeah. sure. So do you see any counter decks potentially rising up? Do you think people will start queuing up with their Phalanx decks? I was just going to say Phalanx to me. There are two that are on my radar. And the first one is the Phalanx deck. It, that's a little bit more meme of a deck. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a concept that's like, you know, it's just handed to you by Pokemon, right? They're like, okay. <laughs> sure, but that's not a bad thing. Like, it builds itself, you know? And so, um, so I, that, that deck is very potent, I think against particularly the V maxes that have a little bit of, um, power crept damage output in, in a way, you know, where like the, um, the Dragapult deck does, you know, it does 180 damage, but it's 130 to the active so that, you know, can be tanked by a phalanx. I, I think in things like Inteleon, right. It has just, kind of that that neutered second attack where it's like 60 or 160 to the active okay so you're if you have your full squad out you know you're surviving a hit um so it has a decent matchup against the v maxes and obviously has a i should have a pretty good matchup against pikaram with everything being fighting weak 
And so where it gets into trouble is um, things like, yeah, baby blue cephalon that can just one shot it. Things like ADPization that take two prizes for every little phalanx, every attacker that you have. So that's where it gets a little dicey. But um, again, if the meta shifts correctly, then phalanx could be a really good option. The other thing I was thinking about that I actually really enjoy myself that I think is a very good deck that only really struggles with consistency problems is Galarian Obstagoon. And the Galarian Obstagoon is yeah. a super, super good deck right now. Uh, a little bit slept on. Um, and I think a lot more players should be playing it. It suffers to consistency. But if it can overcome that, if it can get the roses at the right time, if it can, you know, stave off the Pigram GX attack, then it's in a really good spot. I, I think the deck is solid. The concept is really, really good, and it beats a lot of the metagame right now. Yeah, and we did see a couple players pilot it to some moderate success at the tournament, so yep. Goon's definitely a deck to look out for. I think it's a pretty <laughs> solid analysis of what we saw from Qualifier 3. I'm excited to see how the meta evolves and shapes from here. It seems like it's kind of like you were talking about the last week, where you know now we have the first results, and the formats kind of have to shape itself around this. You know, that's right. That's just how it works out so i'm excited to see what rises up to pikaram if anything is able to or if blounds ends up being just totally dominant maybe mill makes a rise you know it's it's hard to say but i think it's going to be interesting to watch pan out i think the the meta is expansive right now and hopefully it stays that way absolutely you know especially compared to the last set where it was anything but expansive (laughs) okay so the next thing I think we have to talk about, and especially given our interview with Azul, is Pokemon is is doing this qualifier thing of their own yeah. where they're having players compete in these tournaments for a tournament rep and eventually go to a larger Players' Cup tournament. You know, Azul griped and griped about Pokemon not having real tournament support in the client, and literally the day that we upload the video, <laughs> they actually announced something. So I don't know if they just listened and were peeved off that we had talked about this now i think three times on the cast (laughs) but that'd be pretty cool i mean (laughs) if you are listening and you're a tpci employee and we were the change um you know let us know that'd be a cool little yeah i don't think it is but but that's still it's still a funny coincidence so yeah right no absolutely absolutely i mean you look at it um just from a bird's eye viewpoint you say that's that's really good. Like we're very happy that Pokemon is, you know, whether or not they listen to their players, uh, they're at least acknowledging that there should be some interest in the game still, despite this kind of off season uh, for us. And so just from a bird's eye perspective, it it's great. It's a great move. They should not just keep it as this one of, but you know, imagine if Pokemon ran an event like this on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I mean, that would just be, so huge we look at the limitless things and there are over you know 1500 you know sometimes like 1700 viewers of the different streams that are going on for the limitless quality and like imagine if pokemon put on something like that i mean they obviously are doing that i'm just saying that uh i think it's going to be a big deal for our little um our little game and i'm super super happy that it is happening yeah, I'm excited to see how the tournament proper is handled in the client. Um, yeah. Because clearly they have some sort of plan. I, 
I hope, for how this will play out. And they don't want people to just add each other as friends and challenge. Um, but they obviously don't have the framework for that in place right now. So I'm curious how that will look um, yeah. when well, it's all said and done. Again, yeah, the biggest issue that I see here is just the advantage that the player who has never fully used, you know, their tickets, they've never fully used their, um, you know, account to its fullest advantage, how that player has a huge advantage over someone who, you know, like uses their tickets on a regular basis or um, whatever, you know, just basically depletes themselves every time a new set comes out or whatever it may be. Right. And so, you know, that is the biggest question for me. I think it really limits a lot of players to say, yeah, well, it, it was all based on tickets, you know, should have known. It's like, well, dang it. You know, I, I had no idea. It would have been nice. I guess they're giving us like a two week leeway, but even then, like how much Pokemon do you have to play in two weeks to even sniff a chance at being able to qualify considering that there are people with, you know, hundreds, uh, potentially thousands of tickets out there to spend on these tournaments. So I'm curious to see what they do. I hope and kind of have a feeling that they will either do something like limiting the amount of um, tournament, like they'll make like a special tournament for this like qualifier or whatever that you can only enter X amount of times per day or that they will give everyone a certain amount of tickets or a, I mean, maybe even abolish the ticket system entirely. I, sure. I don't quite know how they'll do it. I hope that they do some kind of like gated system where it's like, okay, you know, you get your three tournament, three tournaments allotment for a day period. And then, you know, you, you play with those and then that's it. So everyone maximum has, you know, one to three tournaments or whatever it is per day. And that everyone's kind of on that even playing field there. That's the only thing I worry about. Again, I'm super, super happy that they're doing it. I just, that would be one suggestion that I would have for Pokemon in order to keep it fair and balanced and make sure people aren't just like wasting their, not wasting their life. I don't want it to sound like that, but just like grinding for something that might not even be attainable. Yeah. And I think that leads into a couple of my concerns. So I think I, I'm personally excited to see how they tackle the challenge of having the actual qualified tournament. Once that happens, you know, in July or August, um, but as far as like getting there with the tournament tickets, I think is definitely a flawed structure. Uh, you know, I personally have quite a few tournament tickets, but that certainly doesn't go for every player. I know quite a few streamers in particular might do tournament like weekends or tournament Fridays or however they might like to do it. Um, and I know you do that as well. And so you're expanding these tickets just as part of your normal day to day. And other people just like to play in the tournaments. Like I, I do them when the new sets drop all the time just to yeah. try and get packs. And right. so it's weird to me that the tickets went from something that meant basically nothing to something that actually like had tangible real world value and like being able to qualify for this tournament and then potentially yeah. get a travel award to an IC, which yeah. you know <laughs> has a value of up to $2,500. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a little unfortunate if it does just end up being that where it's like, okay, you know, the, the better players or not the better players, the people with the most tickets have just the, the exponential increase in chance to, uh, yeah, earn that award or, or, or make it into this event. And so I, I have a feeling that they have something planned. I do hope that they have something planned 
but obviously it's all just conjecture at this point. Yeah, I, I do hope they have a plan for that, whether they, you know, take away packs or something from the tournaments and just make them free to enter. You know, I personally am relatively agnostic as to what that end result is, as long as it's, you know, more even playing ground for everyone to participate in. Yeah. Because um, you'd hate for you'd hate for talented players to be excluded from having the chance to play just because, you know, they didn't use their TCGO account a lot prior to this or whatever reason there might be. Refrigerated Elements brings up a point saying that bots are another worry. I think that I read somewhere that they were handling any type of botting that might go on. But I guess like how can how can they truly effectively handle botting either? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be, especially with a game, I guess, like this, where it's you know anyone could play it from anywhere. I guess it just, yeah, who knows? Who knows what they're doing behind the scenes? Yeah, it's a it's going to be tough. I think it's just going to be tough. Um, and I and I think uh, Sean in our chat brings up a good point as well, where the tournaments are also like a pretty big playing ground for newer players who are trying to acquire packs and build their up their pokemon yeah. account and you know the terms are going to be completely overrun for a month well by people i think again i think what pokemon will do i hope this is what they do but i hope they introduce a new tournament where it's you know it's just a standard eight pot eight man pod or whatever but it's like another subcategory of that where it's like a ranked you know so you could click unranked tournament and that would just be like what we know and love. And then you could click ranked and that would, you know, be hopefully free, but then give you points towards the bigger events. And then like you can only enter it, you know, X number of times per day. And so that would be very similar to other things that Pokemon does. For instance, Pokemon Go has the Pokemon Battle League. And, you know, at this point in time, like in this current situation, it is free to enter. It used to be where you had to walk a certain number of, you know, kilometers to get this amount of points to enter but now it's free during this time and this covid time and so it you know and you get a certain allotment you can do five i think it's five matches or something it's like 25 matches or whatever it is there's like a there's a limit every day that you can do and so yeah i guess it's 25 because i think you can do five sets of five so that would be something that I hope that they implement some kind of gated system where it's free to enter, but everybody can only do X number during a day. Right. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know like the full capability of what they can achieve. I think yeah. uh, the tournament yeah. rep is already something that exists and is parsed out through the existing tournament structure. Sure. Um, sure. And sure. They could probably slap on tournament rep onto an additional tournament, but I think the like existing ones would still like, be a part of it and contribute absolutely i mean who knows who knows again this is all just kind of what i hope what i think would make the most sense for them as a company in terms of um catering to both the casual and competitive player and yeah. we'll see what happens we'll see and i i think regardless this will be an interesting experience it'll probably be in some ways a learning experience for pokemon as far as how they want to handle this moving forward i hope they they take whatever comes out of this be it good or lessons learned and continue to apply it into more online tournaments because i think generally speaking even when we have real life events having an online base to play the game off of is good and healthy and encourages more people to get into the game who might not be able to travel or whatever yeah. might reason they might have uh to just prefer online um 
yeah so absolutely I, I hope I, that it that it continues to like spur off into more events i think a circuit would be so cool i mean i i don't quite know how they do it in other esports but i i think i'm sure that there's you know many 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 online circuits like this and so of of you know a physical card game that is taken online like this and so yeah i hope they do something with it i hope it is something that they implement regularly and that this is just the little seed that turns into a mighty tree yeah yeah i'm definitely excited to see to see it happen and to see what growth will come from it so certainly can't complain right about more pokemon (laughs) right exactly I, the, it does make me a little anxious, uh, kind of going back to your point about like potentially being able to grind or not. Like even if you have the tickets, like time is also a resource, and yeah. you know for working adults they might not have the full amount of time <laughs> every day, uh-huh. if if it is truly uncapped, right? And so it's it's yeah. just going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I'm just going to throw my hands up and say we'll see. And That's right. However, it pans out. I think especially given the vagueness of it i think top 256 to play in the main event is probably fine for now um and we'll have to judge it from there whether or not that was too large or too little cool jw is there anything else really that's coming up on your radar that we want to make sure that we're hitting on well i was just going to wonder if you were going to go for it i mean we don't know all the parameters to this event but would you try to play in the pokemon players cup yeah, I mean, I'll I definitely have like the tickets, and you know, if I see the opportunity, I'll take it. The only thing that, and I think generally, I'll try some amount regardless, because I think two fifty six is enough. Where if I just grind out the tickets that I have, hopefully I could make it. Um, but I don't know. I think the problem is that if everybody has the idea that two fifty six is large enough that they can make it, then we just have a lot of people like trying really hard, and it ends up being like a total mess. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, so to answer your question, I will probably try. It might not be enough, depending on like how hard other people are going, and just yeah. based on like the bandwidth of time that I have in the week to play. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, whereas like primarily I would play on like the weekends or something. So right, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out, but I'll definitely try it. Cool. Well, I think that's pretty much everything that I have in terms of the weekly news from Pokemon Trading Card Game. So uh, we can, I guess, at this point, open it up to the chat if you have any yeah. questions or any concerns that you'd like it to address at this point but yeah i do just want to come back refrigerated element says here bouncing between streams during quarter three was awesome and i just as as a streamer i agree like it was very fun to kind of see other people streaming you know i had a very early day but then i was able to go into other streamers and support them and uh it's just it's a very good and very healthy stream community that we have built here for pokemon and i think a lot of the content creators are very supportive of each other very happy that the other exists and, you know, to bounce ideas off of or to, you know, challenge or to, you know, just grow with. And so that's very cool. I think this community has been really, really open to new players trying to, you know, create content or, um, you know, the veterans have just been very welcoming. So it's cool. It's really a a nice scene. And, And I think that was best exemplified by, you know, all these limitless weekends where there are, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, 
relatively well-known streamers going at it and, and drawing decent numbers and, um, you know, supporting each other throughout. So we got a couple questions here. Alaskan here asks, what's being underestimated or overlooked going into the fourth qualifier? I think JW mentioned Obstagoon being as one thing that could potentially be overlooked right now. Um, I think actually Mewtwo decks aren't in a terrible spot right now either. Um, if you find the right builds for the right metas, I think there's always the potential for such a versatile, versatile deck to break through. Yeah, I would say Obstagoon is my play. That's kind of maybe, I don't know, under the radar, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it certainly wasn't didn't see high play in quarter four. So uh, to that end, I think, you know, that would be a deck that I would look to. I'd also just look at Mill again. You know, Mill is, is just good. I don't think it quite saw the numbers of the other qualifiers, like I was saying earlier in the cast. So I don't know that it's necessarily overlooked or underestimated, but uh, it should be a deck that I think will, in the fourth qualifier, just see higher counts of play than it did. So Red says, out of curiosity, how many tickets do you guys have already? I don't actually i found out the other day when i tried to look up my account on the pokemon website i found out that it wasn't linked to my <laughs> pop id so i had to find my other account try to log in and then you know obviously found out that it had no cards and so i'm in the process of trying to build that account up so i have really no, no. tickets over there yeah <laughs> yeah i have something like 200 tickets right now yeah uh, you know, just a, you know, a relatively, I guess, standard amount for someone who doesn't play the tournaments a ton, but right. plays the ladder a decent amount. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Cause we just don't know all the players out there that have been farming and we don't know the system by which you get points towards the, you know, invitational. Is it for every tournament that you win? Do you get points for every win in the tournament? Thereby, you know, saying well, the tournament that, ref right. system already does exist. So you probably could yeah. like do some cursory like research into it. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know too much about that that system. Obviously it's like very it's kind of even hard to find. Like I was looking for it the other day and it's like <laughs> it was hard for me to find on the Pokemon website. Um in any case. Yeah. It's just we don't know the the exact parameters and um yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like maybe there's one person out there with ten thousand tickets, and uh, they just grind their way simply by just having the most amount. You know, who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Knowing Pokemon, I'm pretty sure you'd at least get points for win, and you probably get points for entering them at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just my hunch. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Yeah, my guess it would be like one, two, four, eight points. Yo, there. there it is. Formula One man says I have nine hundred and forty tickets. That's a lot of tickets. That's a lot of tickets, bro. <laughs> Better take him to the carnival. <laughs> Sean also asked earlier what our thoughts are on the recent products to encourage uh, new players getting into the game, and we touched a little bit on the Dene box earlier. Um, I think, generally speaking, that the products that Pokemon are coming out with are super cool. And it's really awesome to see them encourage players to pick up stuff and have immediate access into the game. So I really can't yeah, complain. I hope they continue to take it like further and further. And my hope is that, you know, deeper down the line that they can make it even more, I guess, modern. Because I feel like 
they're doing a good job with this stuff, but it always feels like a little bit behind from when they could have been released. Sure. Uh, it's like sure. the maximum yeah, impact. Mean, it's tough though, because right. it's a balancing act against like like trying to make a profit off what's already out versus like Right. And you look at it, but I mean yeah. you think like maybe six months, you know, where it's like enough to have, you know, a handful of regionals and then uh, you know, people will want the cards for and and that's all kind of just you know, on a competitive perspective, really, we're not the people that drive the product um, being made or sold. And so, um, you know, it's kind of, we're coming at it from a, a bias. But um, yeah, I mean, you'd like to see, yeah, the Jirachis come out, you know, six months or so after the thing, give the product the box, you know, it's the sealed box, it's it's time, and then move it into something like a promo that comes out, um, you know, at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely love to see them do more, but it's way easier for us to say that as like podcast yeah. people <laughs> as opposed to people like, you know, seeing the bottom line that you know, this right. thing. You know, right. We're right. not financial analysts for Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. Cool. Wow. Well, I think that probably brings us about to a close for today. I'm really excited to dig more into the players cup and what that might entail and we'll try and give you all updates as we learn more and throughout the month of uh, june how that's going so yeah on the lookout for that uh, i'm excited to play and compete and probably beat all of y'all in some tournaments so especially jw that's right <laughs> <laughs> this tournament record isn't looking too hot right now so <laughs> it really isn't it really isn't <laughs> So thank you so much all for listening. Be sure to rate and review if you're listening on iTunes. It really does help us out. And we will catch you all next week. Peace. See ya.